Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Chris and he's Larry, and we are going to interview one of our program graduates this evening. Carrie Coffey joined us in May of 2020. No, no April. April. April of 2020, right when things were getting real interesting. Uh, we hired two people right in the middle of the pandemic. We had five trucks going. Yeah, we had five trucks going. Um, and we're all, we're almost at 14. So we've tripled the fleet almost. And, uh, so Carrie, uh, completed the program, just bought her own truck. And so we're going to talk to her, bring her in. She's in Des Moines, Iowa, sitting in her truck. And we're going to let her come and tell this story. So let me bring her in. Hello, Carrie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. So I guess let's go back a little bit before March or April of 2020. Because um, we had we had email back and forth, um, I think, in the end of 19, maybe you were considering doing this. So what, I guess, what, what, what led you down this path to, to, to join in our program and then eventually getting into your own truck? I actually started working with a, um, another owner operator driving team in their truck and kind of learning how being an owner operator changes things for you. And I really didn't know anything stepping into that. It was just kind of, here's a truck, do your thing. And they dispatched us with that company and you just had to figure out how to make money and how to manage it. That was it. Like there was no training, no help, no nothing, you know? And so I, I reached out to the internet, you know, for help. And I looked at programs and I listened to podcasts and that's how I came across you guys. And I just dove right in. And as soon as you said you were hiring new trucks and going to start training people, I reached out to you. I think it was in October, the first time I talked to you. And then I was like, well, I kind of feel like I need to stay here and finish this deal with this person, you know, and I don't really want to just up and leave. And then in January, you're like, we're looking for people. We haven't heard anything from anybody. And I'm like, wait, what, what? And we had a mix up in my phone number and email address. And so I finally got a hold of you right. and came over the end of March. So, so I know you guys, your orange site, that was when, um, the, the governor of Pennsylvania was threatening to shut everything down. And I did Pennsylvania and New York every week. And so you, the weekend of y'all's in orientation, I was supposed to be there, but mm -hmm. I ended up grabbing a load and going to Texas because all my customers were told they were going to be forced to close. Yep. So Larry, I guess Larry and Mary Lou and their dogs, um, came over to West Virginia and you guys, so, so I guess you guys can probably talk about that because I wasn't there for it. I only heard about, you know, you couldn't get anything to eat and, and, and restaurants were shut down. And, uh, so your orientation was pretty eventful. Yeah. We, we had it in that little building. Um, it was a lot smaller back then. I think it was the first time we'd used that uh, metal building. I think Chris, yeah, uh, I think so. yeah. You, you had intended for me to use some little room. I didn't know that. We just walked in the building. There was a TV up on the wall. And I said, well, this is probably where he wants us to meet. And it's this huge room. And so we're, there's, there's like four of us in the room. And so we're trying to make it intimate. So, <clears throat> of course, Mary Lou, we, we, we have these little round top tables that you use for functions. And we pull them all together and in front of the TV and, of course, it was the middle of the pandemic, so we maintained our distance, you know, from everybody. And 
<clears throat> I had just, um, uh, did I have mask for you at that, at that event? No, I don't. I think we were at the point at that stage where it was a choice still. We weren't in oh. the, everybody's required to wear a mask thing. We eventually made our own ma ma logo mask, but I guess that was the next orientation. And, uh, so we were, we were just trying to figure out what to do. You know, we, you know, we didn't know if the world was going to crash down tomorrow. Uh, we just, we just sort of went with what we thought we, we should be doing, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> I remember, of course, having Mary Lee with me, I, you know, I don't normally do that. So had a lot of conversations af outside of the meeting. I remember Mary Lou and I talking about how impressed we were with you. And because uh, it's always this sort of, um, you know, it, you can't help but but try to predict the outcome of things, you know, especially when you're dealing with people. And, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the type of, of course, for everybody that doesn't know, Mary, my wife, Mary Lou, is a, was a high school English teacher for 35 years and academic dean and now is an adjunct professor at EKU. <clears throat> so she's a master teacher, literally. And so I'm not literally. And so <laughs> I, um, I really need, uh, sort of a, uh, I guess you call it positive reinforcement. Whenever I'm teaching, I need these signals back from my students that they're understanding or not. And, uh, <clears throat> not very many truck drivers give that they could be absorbing. They could be sleeping. You just wouldn't know the difference, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I remember Carrie, you know, you ask questions you were, you, 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 you were engaged. You could tell that you were, you know, absorbing the information and, uh, it was fun to, to be that teacher because I was getting that kind of, um, that kind of vibe back from you <laughs> a little bit in contrast to your co, um, program participant. Um, there was a huge contrast in the room right there between our two applicants, uh, at that point in time. Um, and now, Carrie obviously has gone on to become wildly successful in her own right. And, and the other guy washed out. So sometimes those predictions come true. So what was your uh, feeling sitting there after making this decision? And <clears throat> I'm sure being overwhelmed with all the information we were throwing at you. And, and yeah. I mean, it was a lot of new stuff. I mean, definitely for sure. Um, I didn't have a huge background in truck driving. I mean, I, you know, I had a few years here and there, but not like some guys, you know, come into this and they have been truck drivers for many years. I'd only been truck driving for what, three years at that point, I guess. So, you know, it was a huge background, but I had a background in other stuff, you know, so I knew to ask questions, you know, the business aspect of things and, you know, the professional part, the customer service part, you know, all that stuff that, some truck drivers don't think about, you know? And Absolutely. so I think that makes a huge difference. You had some back office experience, didn't you? Like dispatching or yeah. working? Okay. I thought so. Yeah. I was a dispatcher for about a year and a half. So. I thought so. I thought yeah. so. <laughs> Interesting how you bring that. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> Interesting how having that perspective uh, well, talk about that. Talk about, you know, not having that truck, you know, because I'm having the same way, you know. Um, talk about having that 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 different background and, and how it's benefited you or not benefited you in the program. 
I think the biggest thing is the customer service aspect of it with being able to talk to the agents and understand where they're coming from when booking the load. You know, it makes a huge difference when you're dealing with an individual understanding that they're out here trying to make money as well. They've done the hard work to get the loads, to get them on the load boards. And now you're responsible for making sure that that happens. And I think that a lot of drivers think, oh, well, I'm driving the truck. I should be the boss. And it's not like that. It's a team effort to make that customer happy to get the product from point A to point B. And if you can't all cooperate in that, then it's never going to work, you know, to be successful. I think that's how it has to be. So what that's made you, a huge difference. How about the, the non-driving aspects of the program? You know, when we start talking about business decisions and doing things, you know, that that as a company driver, you were never really exposed to before. Um, how, how how did you um, uh, react to that? And did your background make a difference, you think, in your, uh, I guess, uh, acceptance of that or your, or your embracing of that? Or scaring me half to death. Yeah, pretty much. Or, or uh, <laughs> the biggest thing for me when I came in with you guys was the mechanics of having my own truck and being responsible for the maintenance, the upkeep, the, you know, the fixing things that need fixing or, you know, break or whatever. That was the biggest thing that scared me, I think, more than anything. Um, not having as much experience in trucking there's a lot of stuff about these things i don't know even still i mean i learned so much from you guys but there's still a lot that i don't know and i experienced that on a regular basis talking to other drivers that they came into truck driving as a company driver or they came into truck driving brand new from doing a chef or you know whatever it was they were doing and they have no idea what they're getting into you know what what is a business owner who owns the truck and is responsible for all of it supposed to do and coming in with you guys. I think that that made for me, it was scary, but the best decision, you know, learning from you guys that way. Well, let, let's, let's go back to our basics. You know, our, our first tenant of, of doing business the way we do it is not to go in debt to buy a truck and not to sign a lease purchase. How did you avoid doing that? Or had you already listened to us before you were making that decision? Or what kept you from, from doing that to begin with? Well, I actually researched companies with um, lease purchase programs. I mean, I had a book of companies that had different lease purchase programs, what they offered, what the benefits were of those companies, because that's the route I was going to go. And um, I had some medical issues and I was off for a little while, about six months. And the team person that I went to work with went through a lease purchase program and purchased a truck. And so when I got onto that other truck, I just dived right in team driving with somebody who was in the middle of a lease purchase program. So I got to see that aspect of it without the risk, which benefited me, you know, and then because I learned so much from you guys' podcast and I learned, of course, I was already listening to Dave Ramsey prior to listening to you guys on the podcast. Um, and so, you know, I started really working on my own debt and getting my own stuff in order so that I could buy a truck and then listening to your podcast and learning from you guys and how you did it to be more successful. It 
deterred me even further from the lease purchase program and from dealing with that aspect of it. There are so many drivers even now in an older truck, they see me pull in and they're like, well, what made you decide to go that route instead of buying a new truck and going through, you know, one of them other companies that have them big pretty trucks, you know, and it's, it's hard to explain to them because they think it's the only way to go because you don't have to have money down. It's the only way to go because you don't have to have experience, you know, and it's not, I disagree. I, I wouldn't go back and do it any other way than I did it. So. Well, and I certainly remember your teammate, your, your, your co-driver. And as I recall, right after you came in the program, she started having some pretty substantial maintenance issues. Am I right about that? Didn't she have yeah. like a pretty big repair bill? Yeah. Oh. The minute she came over to Landstar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But she, you know, she <laughs> kind of worked through that. She had some, some backing, you know, personal backing that she had that helped her through that. And she is much more successful now just working with me and learning from me, you know, just me talking to her on a regular basis has made it a huge difference for her too. So. Right. Right. Well, so you didn't do the lease purchase thing, but, um, someone's made a comment. You don't have to do a lease purchase to get a 2021 truck. So the other option there would have had to have been to do a bank financing or, mm -hmm. um, you know, get a loan. Um, did you ever think about that as an option? Yeah. And I, and I talked to a couple people, you know, just to kind of feel out what it was going to be like. And for me, it wasn't beneficial. I mean, I already have, I'm not debt free by any means. I mean, you know, I'm not Dave Ramsey's prodigy or anything, but you know, I have significantly decreased my debt. And all I could see when I thought about getting a loan was going into debt again. And I didn't want to do that again. I didn't want to put myself back in that position. Whereas if I worked a little bit harder, a little bit longer, saved a little bit more money, I could buy one outright. And I, and I did, I got lucky. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit lucky with this truck. I mean, I know everybody complains and says it's hard to find an older truck right now because everybody's jacking up the prices and stuff. But I spent every day for the better part of four months looking for a truck literally nonstop trying to find a truck and when i found this one i wasn't sure it was going to fall through but it ended up falling through and i got a really good deal the guy ended up going down on it for me we ended up you know communicating left and right until it took me what three months i think to get up there to actually get the truck after i made the decision <laughs> well when you did make the decision to, to buy your truck you went ahead with, you know, our suggestion of buying an older truck. Mm -hmm. um, talk about that a little bit. I mean, when when did you realize that what we are teaching here is what you wanted to do? Um, you know, this is going to sound really, really dumb to some people that are out there working on their trucks on a left and right basis. But um, I don't work on my truck. I'm not I was not a grease monkey prior to working with y'all and Chris, you know, can attest to my inability to tell him what things are and what parts were broken. But the day that I <laughs> had to replace a water hose or a, a, a hose on my truck because it was going to be like a five hour wait in the shop. I was like, I can do this. It's fine. I'll be fine. And I literally bought the same truck. Like it's the same year, make model, same truck as that truck. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and you look around right now on Facebook every day, we're seeing all these trucks, these newer trucks in the shop uh, mm-hmm. waiting for parts because they can't get parts. And Oh, man, I'm telling you. Yeah. I, and I'm not going to lie, even my older truck, I'm having the same issue right now because I need to get a new radiator. Yeah. I have a small leak in my radiator, and I know that I need to get a new radiator. Well, it's on national back order. It ain't happening. I got to get an aftermarket radiator. So, I mean, even an older truck, you're still going to have that problem. And I think right now with COVID and all the stuff that's going on, that COVID has built up over the last two years or year and a half, whatever it is, it's become an issue for everybody getting parts for vehicles, not just semi-trucks, you know? Well, it's interesting you say that because when we go to um, parts managers and parts guys at dealerships and even in independent shops, you know, they, their creativity is, is, um, let's just say lacking because many, many, many times we're told that a parts on national back order and Chris <laughs> or I can get on the phone and in 15 minutes we'll have one shipped with a tracking number. Yep. So, um, I don't know that, if, if new trucks, that's what I did yesterday. <laughs> But I promise you, if, if I need a radiator, I guarantee I can have one, okay? Mm-hmm. So if yeah, you have any issues there, you let us know. We'll get you a radiator, all right? What I did yesterday, in fact. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, and I learned that from you guys because, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about before not being able to get a part, and then all of a sudden you've got one and it's there. And that's what I did yesterday. And, and luckily, the shop that I was working with is willing to go ahead and put in that part, Absolutely. even though it's aftermarket, you know. So, I mean it's going to work out fine, but yeah, I had to do a little legwork myself. So, so how are you, um, are, are you starting to build up a little bit of network of shops that you, uh, yes. have, have got relationships with and you trust and that sort of thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't think that I would because I am so, you know, not mechanically inclined, but even just knowing the little bit that I've known about this truck so far, I can walk into the shop and start telling them what I need and what needs to be fixed or what's going wrong or whatever. And as a woman, it's more difficult because a lot of times they look at you and think, "Mm, she don't know what she's talking about, but I've been able to find people who I can work with that will talk to me about it and that we can work through it together and then them not, make me feel like I'm an idiot, you know? So it's been great. It really has been great. Like I've been really lucky in that aspect. Well, we, we always said you don't really have to be able to turn a wrench that, that helps if you can, but it's not a requirement. But what is the requirement is for you to be able to realize if what they're telling you is a line of crap or if it's the truth, you know? And I think that's what you're talking about. You now understand enough of it and you're good enough reading people that you can tell whether the person you're talking to is, is knows what they're talking about. Would that be? <laughs> yeah, I actually, um, I actually found a Freightliner dealership that the man, the minute I walk in the door, he's like, Oh, I haven't seen you since I worked over at the Peterbilt. I never saw you when you worked at Peterbilt, dude, but sure thing. I sure know you're telling me the truth, you know? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. I, I understand that completely. So, so talk to us some more about the process. You know, you got here, we got you in a truck. I'm sure you didn't stay in the, in the same truck when we probably moved around a time or two. Um, but, but, you know, tell us kind of what you're thinking after you've gotten here. Did you ever, did you ever second guess your decision? Were there times when you thought that this was not going to be for you or kind of, kind of talk us through some of that. 
yeah i mean of course the first time that i had to get dirty and get underneath the truck and try to explain over the phone chris this is what's going on and please help me fix it you know <laughs> of course i was freaking out it was for me the mechanics of it has been the biggest thing but um yeah i mean i was scared and there were a lot of times that i'm like did i make a bad decision did i make a bad decision this is the wrong thing and i and i talked to some of the other drivers you know, the, the gentleman that started the same time I did. And, and one of the other guys that was here a little bit longer than me. And I mean, we talked and I'm just like, am I doing the right thing? You know, do you guys feel like this is the right thing? And you get mixed signals. And of course you get those people out there that you talk to at truck stops, you know, that say we're lunatics and all that. So I hear that on a regular basis. And I hear you guys talk about it on the podcast and I'm like, they're absolutely right. That totally happens, you know, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I felt like I needed to just push through with the agreement that you and I had and learning from you guys as much as I could. Cause I told you when I first started that I'm a sponge, I want to learn, please, you know, give me all the information you can. Because, I, remember, I remember your Facebook post to some of your friends. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to pick these guys brains as best I can for as long as I can. <laughs> That's, right. that That's what I had to do yeah. because I was serious when I started with you guys that I wanted to do things the right way to be the most successful I could and not put myself at risk. It was such a huge thing for me to not put myself at more risk than I needed to. And, and it just, Honestly, it just, it all, a lot of hard work, but it all fell together. And I'm, I'm really happy the way things went. I'm really happy, even though I got into this truck and I'll tell you, she's the bride of Frankenstein. She's been called the bride of Frankenstein. I won't lie. She, um, she's, I know you name all your trucks. (laughs) She right now is the bride of Frankenstein. That's all all she gets right now. She hasn't been named. That's right. Um, she's a little bit of pieces together. You know, she, she's got a gray hood and a a white cab and off white, um, aerodynamic pieces. And, you know, she's, she's a, an older gentleman, smoker that didn't care what it looked like was just out here to make money truck, you know? And I, when I got in it, I was like, Oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? You know? And I've put some maintenance in it. I've put some things in it that needed to be fixed. A lot of it was just generalized upkeep stuff that hadn't been done because he just didn't really care, you know? And she knock on wood she's running pretty good well a lot of people think that about you know because we drive older trucks that we don't take care of them but you know for a fact that you know that's not you know that's what you're doing is you're bringing the truck up to standards that you're used to having when you were driving our trucks you know mm-hmm. uh, because we would always try to fix anything that went wrong right i guess absolutely and not even just you know the normal stuff like put new tires on when they need to be changed. No, it's fixing the stuff before you have a problem. You know, it's going through all my hoses and making sure everything is running good and looking good and making sure my belts are in good shape. And, you know, it's, it's all that little tiny stuff that maybe isn't a problem right now, but it could be in two months or it could be in, you know, 500 miles. And honestly, it's been some work. I've, I've been in the shop or in the shop purchasing something 
almost every week since I bought the truck. And I'm okay with that because I knew I was going to have to do that to get her up to what the truck prior to this, the one that I drove that was yours or that was, you know, one of your guys' trucks, that was the same, that he had taken care of it. He had done those things that needed to be done. And, and we maintained it on a regular basis. I mean, if something was wrong, I called you guys and said, Hey, this is what's going on. And you're like, okay, let's get it fixed. You know? And that hasn't been done with this truck, but now that I'm here and I'm able to go through and do those things because I learned from you guys, you know, to do it, I think it's benefited me 110%, you know, honestly, like some stuff could have went really, really poorly for me when I first bought the truck, but it's been, it's been good. You know, I I feel bad saying that because I'm going to jinx myself. No, you're not. Chris, you had a question. (laughs) Well, I, um, one of the things that just makes me so angry about this industry is that it does not prepare people um, to trip plan. And so I wanted you to talk about the first say 30 days, because this Landstar system is so different than anything that anybody experiences beforehand. And then you come here and you kind of get thrown to the wolves because you've got all these different agents and you're emailing and you're not using a Qualcomm and you're, you know, the text messages and the phone calls. What was that first 30 days? Like the transition from being a company driver that they just fed you loads to now we're feeding you loads, but it's a completely different experience. I think it benefited me having you guys to talk to as well. Um, I don't, I know from the other aspect of my team member who I teamed her with coming over to Landstar and not having a clue, like she just came in cold Turkey and had no idea. Um, it, it's a little different for me. I mean, unfortunately I like to talk, so it's a little different for me <laughs> because I have no problem over communicating. There were a couple times when, you know, Larry be, reminded me, you know, Hey, don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do this. But for me, it's, I don't have a problem with that communication. So I think it was a little easier for me. My biggest thing trip planning wise though, when it came to at first, you guys started out booking the loads for us. Um, I wasn't used to running that hard. I, I, and I went from team driving to solo driving. So I went from not having to stress about my logbook to, Oh my gosh, I got to worry about my logbook, you know, or my hours of service. And that was, um, that was a big transition for me. And I know Chris and I struggled back and forth with, well, why did you do it this way? (laughs) You know, let's try to do it this way a little better next time, you know? And, and I mean, I, there's still days when I struggle with that. I won't lie. I was a services, a pain sometimes, but it is better. What was that God forsaken app you were using? Cause I remember looking one day. I'm not going to lie to you. I still use it. I'm like, what, what the hell is she at? What? what is she doing? You know? And it was that, whatever that app was. And I'm, I'm like, okay, we're going to, we're going to come up with a new way of selecting routes. Nope. Carrie still uses it. (laughs) So so I use trucker path, which is the one you don't like, absolutely don't like, but I do use it. And I use, I do have a regular trucker GPS now. So I use a Rand McNally. Plus I still have my Atlas, which is pretty much shot, but it's over there and worn out. I mean, I still have to do it the old school way because trucker path is kind of stupid sometimes and sends you some weird route. But yeah, that was the one you didn't like. 
Yeah. Well, I think the big problem is, is we, uh, we defer to authority, you know, Oh, well, the truck, yeah. trucker path says do this. And Ray McNally says do that. And Google says do that. So I'll just follow it. No, 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 no. You know, mm-hmm. um, we have to do it the old school way where we, we pick a route, we pick a plan and then we have the technology help us get there. Um, so we had you on some dedicated freight for a little while and then, um, yeah, that was the Ford thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then you started booking your own loads. So what, what was, what was that like, uh, after, after a period of time and you, now it's on you to find the, the, the loads and, and meet the numbers. Um, it was a little rocky at first and I'm sure Larry was pulling his hair out, but, um, it was, yep. it was like switching from not having to stress about hours of service and trip planning to, oh my gosh. Okay. Now I have to not only stress about that, think about that, but I got to think about that before I book the load. And I struggled with that right there at the beginning for sure. So. Well, well you, and you, you were. And you were in PC jail, right? You lost your personal <laughs> conveyance. That yes, made it even worse. It was a little rough. <laughs> yeah, that was right when we transitioned from dedicated freight to me booking my own loads. I was in, I wasn't allowed to use PC for a while. So yeah, that let's, was pretty rough. Let's explain that. We were experimenting. You know, we we oh. basically are a Qualcomm using fleet, okay? And we'd heard all the other uh, BCOs talk about keep truck and everything. And so we thought, well, let's just try it and see how it works. So Carrie just happened to be in the truck we installed it in because you can't like, if, if all your other trucks are, are com, com data, I mean, are, are um, Qualcomm, you can't swap drivers around if, if it's got keep trucking in there. So we had to dedicate it to one truck and one driver and it was Carrie. Well, and, and I had used it before. And with another company, yeah. Right, right. So we were going to, you were our test bunny to own this keep trucking thing. And the problem that you had was it wasn't necessarily you violating the hours of service. It was a com- communications problem between your phone and the mm. and the device. Am I right the Bluetooth. about that? Yeah, the Bluetooth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was and, a mess. There were lots of times when it would not even recognize that I existed, that my phone existed or that it was picking up the truck. I mean, it was a mess. Right, so. right. So, yeah, so, so that true. got you on the radar and then logs put you in PC jail after that happened more times than they would tolerate. So, yeah. and now you were lucky. You were only in PC jail for six months. We that's, have a guy. That's lucky. What? Yeah. Cause most people get put in for a year. Oh so, my gosh. Uh, Chris is a good friend. We've got another guy recently that, uh, and we've heard other people, stories of other people that, uh, I guess based on the severity, I, I don't really know the answer to that, but, wow. um, but uh, anyway, it's uh, we, we we survived that, and uh, you uh, now you had done some trip planning with, when you were a team for your teammate. Is that true? Or you, I mean, you you mm-hmm. picked some loads and stuff for you guys, right? Yes. So it wasn't yeah. your first time, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, with that, it was okay. Here's this load and this load and this load. Which one do you want? You know, it right. wasn't it wasn't book your own load, call your agent. You know, it wasn't anything like what Landstar has. So. Right. You know, a lot of people that come here, they, we do run hard and, and we have to run hard for a reason because there's a lot of people splitting the pie here. Okay. So if we're going to pay our drivers the way we pay them and where we're going to make any money. And then we, especially when the trucks that we run for other BCOs, there, there's a, and, and of course Landstar, there's a lot of mouths to be fed here. So we, but, and, and we tell people, look, you don't have to run this hard when you leave here, but at least you'll know how, 
You know, mm. it's kind of like we teach, you know, um, how do we, we teach all the fundamentals. I always use a, a football analogy here, blocking and tackling. And that doesn't mean that you're always going to do that when you, when you, when you can make your own decisions, but at least you'll know how to do it. You know, it's kind of like these drivers we're getting nowadays that never drove a manual. So now they can't ever drive a manual. They have a restriction on their license. You know, you don't, you could choose not to drive a manual if you choose to, but at least you have the knowledge and understanding of how to do it. And that's the same thing we do here with the way we run trucks and the way we teach you how to stack loads, you know, because honestly, that's the best way to make the most money, you know. <clears throat> Um, so now that you, now that you have your own truck, what would you tell Carrie in March of 2020 to prepare? Like you, you're on the other side. And if you had a conversation with yourself, go, but, but here, there, there's this huge asterisk that goes with your experience because of the pandemic and the shutdown, you know, because we were, you know, Larry's making 150 phone calls a day trying to find loads. I mean, it was a nightmare because we'd book a load and it'd cancel. We'd book another one, it'd cancel. We'd book another one and it would cancel. And then finally we would get one and you're being jerked in every other direction. And, um, but setting that aside, just coming into the program, what, what would you tell yourself to prepare coming into this? Mm, that's a really good question. I don't, I honestly, I just don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I did everything I could, um, you know, maybe trying harder to learn more from you guys. I just honestly don't know. I mean, I, I think the only thing that I really did that I probably wouldn't do again was be so afraid because I was, I was scared to take the leap after it was all said and done. And I had the money saved up to buy a truck and I found a truck and I was like, Oh, but is it the right thing for me to do? And I had some people in my back pocket saying, just do it. You got this. You got this. You've done your research. You've, you've learned from Chris and Larry, you know, you can handle this, just do it. And, and I think my biggest thing is just not to be so scared of the commitment of owning my own business. So well, we tell people all the time, patience, you know, is it, and even in finding trucks, you know, we, we, we spent since January looking for a truck or even beyond. And, uh, one just fell in our lap, you know, like two or three weeks ago. So, you know, I mean, looking back, you can always go, well, I wish I'd done it earlier, but you know, it, it it's, it's, it, it's the old minimize risk thing. You know, you, 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 is what you, is the unknown better than what, what you know right now, you know, and it's not like you were in a situation where you weren't making any money or you were, you know, you were unhappy. It's, it was just time for you to sprout your wings and fly. And it was just frustrating trying to be able to do that, finding the truck to do it in. I get that. Um, but we have the same problem. You know, I'd love to be able to go buy some trucks right now, but, um, you know, they're, they're it's, it's a combination of not finding the right truck and then not being in the right place. That was your problem a couple of times. You know, yep. I mean, you, you know, you, everybody's not going to hold the truck for them like your guy did, you know, no, I you got know, lucky to make a decision in 15 minutes to buy a truck. And it's, you know, it's nine hours away, you know, so, um, that's a, it makes it a little more frustrating too, you know? So, um, 
but uh, listen, I, I always I tell everybody, you know, it doesn't hurt to be patient, you know. Yeah, um, that's true. And, yeah, my and, truck was 16 hours away. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so what were uh, let's talk about some challenges. I mean, at, what, what was your low point? What what really, really was the hardest thing for you to do? Um, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't always just, um, you know, um, easy, <laughs> puppies easy, and rainbows. <laughs> easy going. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't. So it wasn't always puppies and rainbows. I mean, yeah. there was some, there was some communication differences, um, you know, between even just the three of us during the whole process, but we worked through them. I, like I said, I like to talk, so I'm, I'm not above telling Chris, Chris, stop yelling at me. Don't make me upset, you know, but we, we worked through it. <laughs> well, your nickname, yeah, we did. your nickname was what for me? A rock star. Rock star. <laughs> you, you were, you were my, you were solid as a rock. You know, we could always count on you and yeah. One of the reasons why we hated to see you leave is because I, you know, I, you, you were not, you were no trouble at all. You took very little supervision. You were reliable. We knew you would do your thing. And, and so, although we we're tickled to death for you. Yeah. You know, it was a little I do. sad to see you go, you know. I, I do vaguely remember Larry saying, oh, she's one of those people, you know, that has uncles and brothers and all them people truck driving her whole life. <laughs> <laughs> one of those people one of those people yeah no i always always wanted to be a truck driver and, and well and, and i was that, always a hard worker so it just worked out good for me you and know? now your daughter's following in your footsteps yep and actually she's probably going to come over to landstar in a couple months so there i'm hoping go. i'm really hoping she's going to come over and team drive with me for a little while and then okay. get her her own larry approved truck nice nice so Yep, that's the goal. She's a good kid. She's a good driver. So that's the goal. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, we, we have the good cop, bad cop thing going here. You know, I'm, Chris is usually the bad cop, and normally I'm the good cop. So, you know, after after Chris yells at somebody, I have to go in behind him and kind of pat him <laughs> on the back. It's going to be okay, you know. So sometimes <clears throat> those roles reverse, though. There's, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's occasion where, you know. Is that I just have, the shops? Not just the shop. Sometimes we have, you probably never, ever had it. You're one of the good ones, you know, uh, just to give some perspective here. Um, you know, but when I, after I found Chris and we started this program, um, Seth was our first, I guess, successful graduate, if we want to use that or completed the program successfully. And then Carrie was our second uh, success story. So, um, you know, they're, um, and I, you know, and I, and I know it's not politically correct to talk about gender, but I also was very, very proud of having Carrie here as a female, you know, in this program, showing the guys that, that, that the gals can do it, you know? And, um, that always, I always, we didn't favor you by any means. I'm sure you agree to that, yeah. but I always was, um, I was always so proud that we had, you know, you in the program as a, as a female, because, you know, everybody thinks it's just a guy business, you know, and you, you just, you can prove that that's not true. So. 
speaking of, that's sort of funny that you said that because I found a, um, I'm, I'm a member of f- several female truck driving groups and mm-hmm. um, I found a, a lady on there, a couple groups that um, had like a mentor program where you could get somebody to work with that was also a female that is in the trucking industry that owns trucks, whether it's one or three, you know, that um, you can work with and ask questions to and stuff. And so I reached out to them to see if they could teach me anything that I didn't already know. And um, this lady approached me and she was going to be my mentor. And we, we talked on the phone several times. And every time I talked to her on the phone, she's just like, I don't, I don't know how I can help you. Like you, you, you're doing it like you're you already know you know don't don't buy the truck and don't you know the the 2020 truck and and don't do this and don't go in debt and you know and she's just like I I don't know how to help you I don't know how to mentor you because you're doing it you know and she's like there's nothing to teach you you know so that was kind of nice but it was nice to hear it from another woman as well you know right there's my train back sorry about that so are you involved in the women in trucking group um, just on Facebook, nothing, nothing outside of that. So, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I know that's a very active group and there's a mm-hmm. lot of Landstar people in that group. A lot of, mm-hmm. the, a lot of Landstar, uh, female drivers are in that group. So, yeah. Nope. Just, just on Facebook. <laughs> I'm, I'm so busy driving and taking care of this truck. I haven't had time to do any social media or, be involved in other groups, you know, so. I'm looking at the comments here, trying to see if anything has come through. There's one that said, who did you drive through when you're saving up for your truck? Us. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. Before I came to work for you guys, I didn't have money saved up to buy a truck. You know, like I said, I had researched other lease purchase programs prior to finding the podcast with you guys and looked at what my options were and I thought I had found one of the better options. And so that's why I recommended it to my teammate. And she just went and bought the truck before me. And then I went and team drove with her instead of going and getting another one. And I thought that was the best option. And it wasn't a bad, I'm not going to say who it was, but it wasn't a bad program. It just, we could have done so much better. You know, she could have done so much better if we hadn't have gone that route. So, I mean, just curious, what does she think about your decision and, and your and the truck that you've bought and what you're doing now? At first, she was definitely a skeptic. It was a huge, I can't believe you're going to do that. Why would you do that? But now that I'm out here and I'm doing it, I bought the truck and I'm not in debt and I'm not, you know, stressing about maintaining things and stuff. It's totally different now. It's totally different now. She's She's very impressed with my success so far. So how do you like being a BCO? How do you like working with Landstar directly? It's been really good. I've, I've had, I've had some really good interaction with, um, I, it was kind of a weird situation. The orientation, because I did orientation as a operator, the orientation was a little split off and kind of disconnected, um, coming in as a BCO. Cause you have to just kind of catch up on everything you didn't do as a operator. Um, And, you know, I talked to several people about that, but I've had great communication with the people I have had to deal with so far, you know, so with getting my log set up and getting, you know, questions answered and things like that. So it's been pretty good. Not too bad. 
Are you going to BCO days in Vegas this month? No, no. My uh, my daughter's getting married, so I'm going oh, to an right. engagement party that weekend. <laughs> that's right. So, that's right. yeah, no, no, not no time to go to Vegas. No time to play. Here's another question about your truck. What year model truck did you buy, and how many miles is on it? Um, it was actually a 2002 with 1.8 million miles on it. It's a Freightliner Columbia. Did you have? Um, uh, did, did having did it have an in frame or? Anything? It has not. It has not had an in frame. I've actually talked to a couple people about getting it done, um, but it has not had one yet. So, is it using oil? Mm-mm. Nope. I'd run it. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, it. I worry she, about it. She runs pretty good. I mean, like I said, I've had some things that have had to fix. I had a starter problem when I first got it, and you know, I had to. Like I said, I've got a radiator leak that I know where it is and what it is. I just got to fix that rate or change that radiator out. It's just been little stuff here and there, you know. But knock on wood. So does he not know if it ever had an end frame, or does he know for a fact it's never had an end frame? It's never had an end frame. It's only had two owners. Really, that's mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah. Obviously, the guy that had it before me had it for 12 years. Okay. Well, listen, if it's not using oil, and I'm sure you're, you're, are you using, are you doing an oil sampling program? Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, yep. Yeah. yep. We got our base samples and we'll do an oil sample every time that we, um, you know, when we go do our regular maintenance, PM maintenance stuff. And so far, so good. So I know I called, reached out to you and we went over that, um, my initial oil sample so that I could learn from you a little bit more about those because I don't really understand all of that yet, but sure. Now, what, how about fuel mileage? Have you, are you, are you getting good fuel mileage? Are you working on your fuel mileage? Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple things I've changed since I got the truck. Um, I changed the tires, um, to a different style, um, They were okay, but they weren't great. So we got a better rolling resistant tire. Um, I do not have the scan gauge. So I'm basing my um, miles per gallon off of the program that I use on my phone and then calculating at each receipt myself. And I mean, it's been running pretty good um, fuel mileage. It's not quite as good as the truck I drove before this that had a different rear end ratio, Mm -hmm. but it still still pretty decent fuel mileage i'm not complaining about it for sure okay well you know there's you know all the modifications that are available to you to help Mm -hmm. you improve that so yeah um and as you make a little money just you'll go down the list and do the ones that give you the best return first you know absolutely yeah absolutely here's another question how much do you recommend saving up before buying your truck well i know how how much did you save well, I've heard several people talk about, um, you know, making sure that you have a really good maintenance fund account. I only paid 10000 for my truck and I only had 3500 saved up in maintenance. I immediately went to work with my truck, but I also had a backup plan for if something happened and I had to put my truck in the shop that I could still make money. I mean, I have people I can go team drive with and stuff too. So I was never going to put myself in a position to where... I wasn't going to be able to continue to make money if something went wrong with the truck. So I knew, you know, I was going to be okay with that much money. I know, you know, Chris and Larry, of course, you guys have always recommended to have, you know, a good chunk of change put back for maintenance in case something did go wrong. So, so a, a, a more general answer to that is, you know, we have a number that 
um, you know, $40,000 is a nice round number to have available to get a truck complete. So if you bought a truck and you did all the modifications and you did all the repairs and everything that was ready to be, you know, completely done and you had $40,000 into it, you, you, a $40,000 investment in a truck that is fully ready. Um, you know, you'll make that money back. Um, but like Carrie, you know, Carrie paid $10,000 for hers, you know, I'd have been a little less nervous if she'd had another 10, you know, another 10 or 15. So you could, you know, definitely if you had 25,000, um, you can go get a truck and get it roadworthy and start making money with it and then have a little nut there to take care of it. Larry, you want to add anything to that? Well, and right now it's even harder because you, you, it's, you're lucky to find a $10,000 truck because right now everybody thinks that, that trucks are worth more than they are because they're so scarce and you can't get new ones. So it's driving the used car market way, our used truck market way, way up right now. You know, we're, we're looking at the trucks that we used to we probably used to offer no more than 15 for we're, we're going to end up having to pay 20 to 25 for, you know, just because the market's what it is. So it changes things a little bit right now. You know, uh, it's not going to stay this way. You know, as soon as this, as soon as this bubble busts, there'll be trucks everywhere, you know, just be patient. Um, oh, yeah. but, but look, you, you got the truck, right. You know, what, I mean, what kind of risk do you have for with a $10,000 investment? You know, that's very, very minimal. And like you say, you have a backup plan. You know, you, you know, the people that are in trouble are the people that don't have any plan, you know, and, and which, which is most people, you know, uh, they can make the payment. That's their plan. And then when they first time they can't make the payment, the, their plan explodes. And, um, so the fact that you've got a plan is, uh, is, is the most important thing. You know, I'd prefer it to be a full cash plan, but in your case, that's what you had to do. So, uh, and the other thing is you're at, you're at, the, I mean, at, at Landstar running freight, like, you know, how to do, you know, and especially in this market, there's no reason why you're not doing over $3,000, you know, a week to the truck. Uh, I mean, uh, to you, uh, after expenses, it doesn't take long to build up a pretty good, uh, maintenance fund at that kind of rate, you know, so. Yep. Florida man checking in. Uh, he wants to know, where did you find your truck? <laughs> Ironically, I found it from another Landstar BCO that was retiring this truck because he wanted to run team freight in California. Well, we're seeing that too. We, the truck we got, he didn't retire. The guy who was a BCO for years passed away and, his family was trying to, you know, get rid of the truck. And we ended up getting it from uh, another guy who bought the truck and never drove it. It's set for, so, um, you're getting that too. Cause I mean, there's a lot of guys my age right now that are wanting to, you know, hang it up and they've had these trucks and taken good care of them, obviously like yours is. And, um, it, again, it's just keeping your ear to the ground following all up on the leads and then just um didn't you find though when you called the guy and he's a bco and you're a bco that there was like a already a, a little bit of a bond there that he was willing to work with you because of who you were absolutely yeah, yeah. and and then even in talking to him about the truck itself and knowing a little bit about 
you know, the fact that it was a 2002 and that I knew it was going to need some TLC and, you know, how we ran the trucks as a blue, blue ribbon, you know, he was like, I really want to work with you because I feel like you're going to take care of the truck and I want somebody that's going to take care of the truck, you know, and that, that was a, a bonus for me. Sure. Sure. <clears throat> well, we don't have any more questions, uh, really that pertain to Carrie. Um, you got anything else you want to say to, to people that are thinking about, you know, either, you know, buying a truck and come to Landstar or considering coming and doing the blue Rib blue ribbon program. Um, I, honestly, I just really want to reiterate everything that Chris says about it's about working to the best of your ability and saving up to buy a truck that is right for you at the right time, relevant, irrelevant of what everybody else is doing or what everybody else's plan is doing what's right for you at the right time. Don't be impatient. You know, that's a big thing. So but that's all. Well, Carrie, you were a good student. You obviously listened and you obviously put into practice what we taught you. And, uh, we wish you nothing but the greatest success in, in, in whatever you choose to do. Um, thank you for coming on here and sharing yeah, you know, thanks your for me. with us. Yeah, sure. Come back and, you know, get, get, get some stories and, uh, and we'll maybe we'll, we'll follow up in a few months and, and see how your truck's still doing and how you're doing and, uh, uh, get your numbers together. I know you are, I know you're a good numbers person oh, and, yeah. uh, and, uh, let's just, uh, let's follow your story a little bit. I know okay. people are curious, so. Okay. Well, you guys take care. Thank you. All Thanks, right. Gary. Well, we got a couple questions here that aren't carry related. Um, how about this one? What year truck is going to be pre-emissions? Well, that can be confusing because a lot of people think that pre-emission uh, emissions are only DPF, and that's not true. Emissions started in two thousand four with EGR, um, and you kind of you got to be careful in two thousand four because. About half the year, the trucks were built that year were not. You can even find some 14 liters that are that are non-EGR, and you can actually find a 12.7 that is EGR. So yep. uh, you have to be careful in the 04 model year. But 03 and older, there are no emissions at all. 04 through 07, and half of 08, it's EGR only. Then halfway through 08 and fully 09 and later is DPF and uh, then and also selective catalytic, catalytic uh, regeneration, SCR, uh, after that. So, so pre-emissions has to be 03 and older or 03 and a half and older. However, we have zero problems keeping EGR engines running. Um, and so you, we would go 07 and accept the EGR, even though it is quote emissions, it's not DPF emissions. We can do all the modifications we want to do to a truck for fuel mileage with an EGR. We can't do very many of them if it's got DPF and SCR. So that's the straight story. You're going to find half the people that sell trucks on Facebook think that pre-emission is 2007. It's not. 
It's 2003. Uh, let's see. So this this comes up every once in a while. I've uh, been driving 15 years. I've uh, been a local driver for three years. Made plans to buy a truck and lease on Landstar. Uh, but in four months short per Landstar, but want to lease somewhere. So I guess he's, Landstar requires a certain kind of over-the-road experience. So it sounds like he's four months short. Ready to be an owner-operator. Haven't bought a truck yet. Have the loan ready and the truck on hold. I just wish Landstar would run your verification first. <laughs> huh. Welcome to the club, brother. Um, well, here's here's a couple of things. Uh, ready to be an owner-operator and have the loan ready. That scares me. There's the first problem. Big, 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 big red flags. I don't think you need to get a loan. I don't. If you don't have the cash, you don't need to. You don't and need are, to buy. It. And are you ready to be an owner operator? You know, this is this is the number one cause of failure at Landstar. People, their first attempt to be an owner operator, buying a truck and financing and coming to Landstar, and their first experience as an owner operator is at Landstar. That is not a good decision, okay? That 38.7% of the people who come here that do that will not be here in a year, okay? So my answer to you, with all due respect, is you're probably not ready to be an owner-operator. I would not borrow that money to buy that truck. Uh, Carrie is a perfect example of what you should be doing. Uh, drive for us. Drive for some BCO. Um, come here and get the experience driving for somebody else, learn the system, save your money and go pay cash for a truck. This is not, even though you can make the payment today. Okay. This is not normal. This will not stand. These rates will not be here in a year. And that truck loan will be. So I'm going to do you a big favor here and tell you to ditch that plan immediately and don't do yep. that. I would first focus on getting I would first focus on getting the experience you need um, to qualify because uh, you can't come to you couldn't even come to work for us because it you you have the same qualification requirements to drive for us um, so you need to figure out a way to get that over well, the road experience it's only four months short that's not. Just stay where yeah. you are, you know, just four months, eat it up. No big deal. You're talking about February. So, well, uh, but I'm, here's what I'm wondering. It says been a local driver for three years because they've got that five year thing. I bet the four months, um, you know, the four months is probably if he's still local, that ain't going to work. He's going to have to go drive for somebody to make up that four months and be, and probably be over the road because if he's still local, um, yeah, you know, know, that four months is going to get longer, you know, the, the further he goes, it's going to, it's soon going to be six months and then eight months, and then he's going to be in trouble. And he just commented and said, yes, well, well go, so, find, go find a good over the road job. Okay. A good one for a good company and save money, save your money. Yeah. And then um, go buy, and then go buy a pre 07 truck and pay cash for it. All right. And even then. You know, don't come to Landstar as your first without the experience. I, w I would get the experience, come to Landstar and work for somebody here, and then go sa save your money and go buy the truck. I mean, he's come in here and says he has cash. Okay, so if you have cash, um, 
and you can buy a truck, but you can't qualify for Landstar. <sighs> okay, let's say some. Let's say you get a, ca- a truck and you pay cash, and you find somebody that will let you lease it on. You're going to have to be very deliberate with how you run your business because you're not going to be at Landstar, right? So, not to obviously Landstar is not the only place you can lease on a truck, obviously. Um, but I would. I would be very thoughtful and be very deliberate. I do a lot of research into who you're leasing on to. Um, I just don't want you to be in a hurry. You know, I, I listen, being in a hurry is how you end up broke, desperate and stupid. So if it's just four months keeping you from qualifying for Landstar, go get to four months, you know, cause you're, I, you're the Landstar is the, my opinion. And I think Larry agrees. This is the best place to be for a first time truck owner. Um, we have a mentoring program. We can, we can run you in, uh, to, to shorten your learning curve. Um, but just don't get in a hurry, you know, cause getting in a hurry, it's when you make dumb decisions. So I would probably figure out how to secure that experience for six months. You know, I mean, hell, go drive for anybody for six months and then, Six months from now, you've still got cash. You've still got the ability to buy a truck, but now you can come to Landstar. Let's see if there's anything else. Uh, I did have something, I'll, and just to close out, if you'd take a few minutes, there's something I wanted you to talk about. Uh, we saw another trucking company close this week, dealing transport. I looked into that. Surprise, surprise. Another trucking company bought by a uh, venture capital firm that ran it into the ground and, and uh, put everybody out of business. Um, but you, you have often talked about this illusion of security, um, of, of having a job. Cause man, if I had a nickel for every time somebody just told me, just would, why don't you just get a job, you know, chasing self-employment, chasing the idea of being an owner operator. If you would just get a job, think of all the security you have. Well, how's that working out for y'all right now with people threatening to take your jobs away if you don't make a certain decision that shall not be named, you know? Um, I've got a lot of security right now working for Blue, uh, for Blue, for Blue Ribbon. Um, I can't be forced. I can't be mandated. Um, but this idea of, of being an employee being secure, Larry, I want you to talk about that for a few minutes. Well, <clears throat> my whole life, um, I've been an entrepreneur for that very reason. Um, right out of high school and a college, I was an employee. Um, I first got married, I was an employee. And I, um, I mean, I made good money as an employee. I, I, I was well paid. But the problem with that is I could see that my everything that I needed for my subsistence, you know, my house, uh, you know, the, the type of car I was going to drive, you know, how many children we were going to have, those all depended on my ability to, to keep that job. And I just could not sleep at night knowing that somebody else had the decision making power to take my job away Monday morning, just because, because there hadn't, there didn't have to be a reason there's, I wasn't in a union you know? And, uh, so I decided that the only way I was going to have security was if I got up every morning to shave the boss. 
you know. And so I determined very early on that that's how I was going to be run my life is I was going to be the person in charge of me. And um, uh, all my other friends who who worked for companies and got pensions and so forth, um, you know, uh, that didn't work out for them very well. You know, uh, also the other thing about that job thing is that you're only paid just enough to keep you happy. You know, uh, I have unlimited income potential in every business I've ever owned. I'm the one that decided what I made, not somebody else. You know, uh, I literally got paid what I was worth. And, um, so I don't agree at all. Uh, I've got a family member right now, uh, that is, uh, in the same, worked for his family, his whole life and their business is about to go under and he is in a bad way. You know, he really can't leave because it's family and he, um, uh, is, is, you know, it, 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 it's just a bad situation and, and he, and he really you know, he, he spent so much time there now, he's almost 60 years old, that he doesn't really have a lot of options, you know. That's the security that he's got right now, okay? Basically nothing. Um, so I don't, I don't buy into that at all, you know. The only person that can give you security is you. And, uh, you know, we don't try to di um, discourage people from getting into business and being an owner operator. That's not what we discourage. We discourage you doing it the way where most people do it and take on all the risk and fail. You've heard us say the numbers, 40% of people at Landstar will fail the first year. Um, nine out of 10 people who get in this business for the very first time and do it the wrong way will fail. And we're just trying to give you an alternative way of doing it, taking the risk out, where you can do this and realize all those things that you want, but you have to understand there's a price you're going to pay for that. And, um, minimizing the risk sure does lower that price and that, and, and the consequences of that failure. Um, you know, everybody thinks it's just, let's go buy a truck and we'll go make money and go buy a truck and come to Landstar. And we're going to make money. Well, listen, I work with a lot of people, you know, at Landstar that are not, because they don't understand anything about business. You know, they think they're just going to come here and drive a truck and they're, you know, they call me and they're, they're, they're desperate. Landstar calls me to help them. They're desperate. You know, it's because they don't understand that this is, this is a business. You know, it's not a truck driving job anymore. It's running a business, providing that security for yourself that the employer was providing you. You thought <laughs> I'm looking at my cat in the background. Um, you know, you, you have to be the, the provider, not the person with the entitlement to, for this thing to work for, for you to have that security, you have to be the provider and you, you, you're the, it takes a huge change in your mindset to go from entitled, you know, to provider. And that's the difference between a successful business owner and one who's not going to be successful. Well, I think that's a good place to end it off right there. Um, so we have a special guest coming on the next episode. Uh, you want to announce that? Sure. Sure. Uh, Steve Crone, <clears throat> who has uh, a 10 mile per gallon average over what? Years. Year. Right? Years. 
years. I've I've known him for almost ten years, and he's been above nine as long as I've known him. And I just follow him on Facebook and and still keep up our, you know, our, our relationship. And I know that now he's he's between ten and eleven, you know, consistently. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk to him about how he got there. He's also at Landstar. We're going to talk to him a lot about um, some situations at Landstar that he encounters because of his extremely good fuel mileage and some challenges that we have to overcome there because, you know, again, um, people aren't used to doing business the way we do business. Okay. And, um, he's got, he, he, it'll be quite informative for you, especially if you're a Landstar driver. And even if you're not, if you want to understand the benefits of getting 10, 11 miles per gallon versus five or six, um, with a 99 international 97, 90, 90 something international. Yeah, but it looks like Detroit. A, it looks like a NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fantastic. I'll get uh, into I'll get into put some pictures up next week when we talk. So or look him. Oh, just he's on Facebook. Uh, just just uh, look up look him up on Facebook. Steve K R O N, and uh, he's in some of the uh, Facebook groups. The uh, the uh, in, in, what is it? The Mileage Masters or I don't know. There's there's several that that he's in. Um, but I met him years and years ago at the, at the, the first CMC I went to, uh, ran into him. He had just, uh, made his trade. He owned his own trailer. He had just, um, covered the bottom of it and made the bottom of the trailer aerodynamic at that point in time. And so he was working on all this aerodynamic stuff to make his trailer as aerodynamic as his truck was, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and then, and then, um, uh... Episode 100 will be coming after that, and we have a super duper duper surprise guest for that one. So we're not going to announce that one yet. Yeah, we're not going to announce that one. Y'all just have to wait on that one, but it's going to be huge, huge. So that's it, everybody. Uh, appreciate everybody listening, and uh, we'll holler at you next time. Good night, everybody. <laughs>